Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we're talking about the things you find out. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 64, and we've got tons to talk about today. We're going to be going over some news and what's going on with the stress test. We're going to be talking about what kind of context you learn when you're dealing with a local agent, and uh, we might even have something special to talk about after the show that has nothing to do with real estate. But before we get into it, Matt, welcome back. You had an excellent vacation here. I had here. a full vacation. Yeah. He's got a tan to prove it. Tanned Matt. <laughs> Tanned Matt. <laughs> yeah. I don't want listeners to get the wrong idea about what that might mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't on a beach somewhere. <laughs> no. Well, and it starts from a pretty pretty white base coat, so uh, a tan is a is not a very exciting thing. <laughs> so have, have you, did you have your brain in real estate at all, or were you just completely No, I was prepared, prepared to work if needed, but I was not needed. Jer yeah. held the fort. Nice. I did virtually nothing for 10 days. Fantastic. I did my responsibilities. I looked at the phone, made sure there wasn't something yeah. urgent. You know, urgent email just sitting there. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I caught a few things, but yeah, really it was just, it was, it was full on vacation mode. It was fantastic. Hmm. Very that cool. was the big vacation sort of for the year, the 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Would have been nice. I should try a two week one time. Two I've never, weeks. never really done a two weeker. I don't think I've ever done a two week. Good, good way to forget real est- all your real estate woes. <laughs> Just leave them behind you. Yeah. Because well, sometimes when we go on vacation, it, it can take like three or four days just to kind of forget stuff that is going on. Like let go of control if it's if it's um, not something that you do very often or someone that is looking after the business that doesn't usually. Um, yeah, it's it can be a little tough to f- just even get into, okay, I can't do work stuff. I'm, it's time to relax and, and I, reset. I, I have a really hard time shutting that off. In fact, I, I still check all my email and garbage oh. when I, like I can't. Even though I've got somebody watching the business, it, it's it's tough for me. I, I can't completely zero out, which is probably a bad thing. I've always been really good at just walking away and shutting off. Yeah. And it, it was from previous jobs where it's like, no, I booked a vacation. Not from previous girlfriends. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you had another job where you could just be like, no, I booked my vacation. I'm walking out the door. Yeah. And I will be doing no more work until I return at the end of this vacation. Well, I had an easier time with... Uh, jobs I did before real estate because real estate when you're on you're kind of always on like it can be 11 o'clock at night and you're reading emails and doing stuff we probably shouldn't but it it's just the way it goes habit yeah yeah I don't know when I came out of that environment I just thought that's how it should be for everybody everything yeah and I started in a partnership like you guys know right so when I was covering for Jerry when he was away I was like well no when when someone goes away right they do nothing I didn't realize like I didn't know I was I yeah. was too naive to know that you're supposed to realtor all the time hmm. so the first time he went away for like three days he messaged me like a day later and he's like or no first he checked with Debbie he's like is Matt working <laughs> I haven't heard anything from him. Like, did he bugger off? Huh. What happened? And she's like, no, he's out there kicking ass. He got two listings and sold the place yesterday. Wow. Yeah. I can remember this vividly. Right. And he was like, 
uh, oh, I've never really had it where I go away and people didn't call me and ask like... Right, because he had previous people working with him. Yeah. So it must have been a very different dynamic. And he was like, well, yeah, usually they would have called and been like, well, I'm getting this listing. Did I price it right? Did I do this? Right. I was just like, no, he's just going to have to accept whatever I do. He went away. Right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Jared, Jared, did you do anything that Matt just has to accept while he was away? (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, actually. It's surprisingly, we're we're not stupid, stupid, uh, stupid busy, but... um, yeah, I, I picked up. We got a couple new buyers agents. Um, we're gonna have another. <laughs> we've hired a social media expert, um, so they're just gonna go on Facebook, so we don't have to click like on stuff and, Smart. and yeah. so just really, really take that burden off of us. Uh, okay. We, I got us new cell phones. All sorts of things have happened yeah. while Matt's been away. Jer bought three iPhone X's, the, 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 the big oversized ones. <laughs> uh, you can barely hold it in your hand. Um, but no, yeah, we've been we. Like it's not a crazy busy right now, but it is nice that things yeah. are still like if we're going to do a quick quick summer update. Um, places are still selling. Good places are selling. People yeah. are still listing listing places. If you were detached listings coming on, maybe, but uh, but we're seeing condos. Yeah, it's coming been on, slow in the detached houses, which is pretty yeah. standard for the the time of year. But yeah, um, yeah, we're finding like some some guys are like, hey, well, you know, like some people want to wait before listing their condo. Let's wait for the fall market. We're already pushing into to August here. Um, but there's still people out there and still going to open houses, still getting attendance for new listings. So it's not, couldn't, you know, might not be a bad time for that person's plan if, if they are ready to go. So I, I've got a little bit of stress and frustration in going on right now. I wrote an offer on a place and it was accepted. Um, and this is the first time I've had to deal with this in years the listing agent wrote out the commission. Commission is X unless the buyer's agent was not there for every showing, in which case it's $500. Right. Hmm. And after accepted offer, it came up that my buyer months ago viewed the property on their own one time. Like called the agent and called made the an agent, appointment and went didn't and tell looked, you... Kind of liked it, but wasn't ready to go. Then a couple months later, we started talking. I've shown them a ton of places. So they weren't your client when they saw it? Well, that's kind of weird. Sort of, kind of. They were my client years ago, and then they got priced out of the market as it went nuts. They decided to rent. Now their lease is up. The market is better. They want to buy. But I think they went and looked at some places, mostly because they didn't want to bug me. They weren't sure They hadn't engaged with you yet. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and the... uh, I mean, the, the ins and outs of that, like, we're working it out. The the other agent has been pretty good, although she won't put it in writing. She keeps telling me, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know you've done all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, not a big deal. We're going to pay you the thing. And I'm like, cool, can you just send me an email that says that? And uh, haven't got that yet. But the thing I thought was interesting for the show was this is the first time I've dealt with this under the new rules. So with the new agency rules, a a listing agent can't represent both parties. Mm-hmm. So putting in something that says, hey, I'm not going to pay the agent who represents the buyer has a very different context, I think, under under these new rules. Because before, the, the positive intent of that was you'd get these people would come and look and the, the listing agent would spend all this time and send them all this information, essentially representing them. And then right at the end, they'd be like, oh, yeah, and my buddy wants to get paid who never did any work. That's yeah. why listing agents put this in That's there. That's why it's on there, yeah. Um, but now they, 
that listing agent isn't allowed to be representing them. They can't do all that work. I don't know. What, what's the positive intention of that, that clause anymore? Oh, I wonder if people are even putting it into their, their listing contracts. Because it used to be before we had the, yeah. the, the changes in, in actually stipulating the breakdown of commissions right. um, on, our, on our listing agreements that um, that was just something that people would add in there. They come up with something. Yeah. Okay, maybe no open houses. Sure, let's do... Um, I've seen like first introduction. We've mm-hmm. seen different sort of ways that people can write that out. Um, but I mean, their, their seller needs to know that so yeah. you're just getting paid more so you're just cutting this person out well that's now that number is just the ratio seems totally off here you give this person 500 and you're taking right you know 10 15 you're taking whatever 20. all of the yeah. rest <laughs> yeah. how does how does this make sense and at least it's it's it should be clear now and it should be stipulated in the contract right yeah so. i'm not saying much right now because i'm just mad <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just ruined all of your like good vacation vibes <laughs> i had a guy try to do that this morning to you R- like ruin, say, your, uh, ruin your vacation vibes? same thing uh no something different but oh okay i was i was being all nice back from vacation guy yesterday first day back yeah and he's like hey i'm interested in your listing uh can you send me all the strata documents for it all the document package and i was like oh yeah sure that's cool like, no, yeah you're interested like i don't i don't need to like push you too hard. Like, Oh no, I'm going to hold the documents hostage. You want right. them? Like, yeah. sure. I was like, has your client seen it yet? Cause I don't think I've heard from you before. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I'm not really sure. And, I'm like, and then he's sort of a few more exchanges. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'll send you the documents. It's fine. If you, right. if you want to look at yeah. them before even going to the property, it's you weird to work like that. <laughs> sure. Like yeah. sure. I'll, I'll be, I'll be accommodating. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I think my client has seen it. I think he came to an open house or saw it a long time ago or something. Yeah. Okay. So we send the documents over. Calls me three hours later. He's like, hey, sorry. I mean, I don't even, I really shouldn't even be saying this to you, but my client wants me to. So um, would you accept an offer $75,000 under your asking price? Okay. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I think you know the answer is no. Right. And he kind of prized for some other stuff. And I'm like, why are you prying? Like, are you actually interested in making an offer? And I'm like, has your client seen the property? He says, yeah, I guess they've seen it a few months ago, but you haven't even seen the property. I think you got to get a little more like put together here before you just start throwing around right. these crummy offers. But let's put it this way. What you're trying to do, we've had much better offers before. We've had offers because he was asking me that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too. All this exchange yesterday, I'm being accommodating. I'm not really getting too annoyed because it's the He's beginning. lucky he got Matt fresh back from vacation. <laughs> right. Fresh yeah. back from vacation, Matt. So we start the morning today where Assistant Debbie emails us. He goes, hey, that guy who's calling all yesterday? Yeah, he just, he just uh, had a listing in that building. Oh. <laughs> you just wanted our f- docs for free. Now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just fishing for information. Yeah. He doesn't even have a buyer. That's what I called him and called him out on. Did you, you called him? Oh, yeah. What did he say? He says he has a buyer. He's sure like, I'll he even get you an offer on paper. I have an, I have a buyer. I do have somebody interested. I said, look, man, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, even if that's the case. Yeah. Yesterday you call and you fish for all this information on my listing. Yeah. And the next day or that day, really, your listing starts in the building. That's just too much of a coincidence. Even if it's true, you should be telling me that you've got a listing coming up. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm operating in good faith here. Seems pretty disingenuous in what you're doing. Anyway, I feel like happy back from vacation, accommodating mm, that from, back yeah. from vacation <laughs> got played. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I don't man. mind people. I mean, people do that. Like, we'll, we're all pretty collaborative here. If it, someone wants, you want to check something like the trick is to be upfront about it, but yeah, like, don't, don't represent. And who knows what this guy's doing? Maybe he has a buyer, 
But in general, if I need to take a look at minutes and you've got a listing in there, when I ask for the minutes, I'm not going to pretend. I'm going to say, hey, Matt, I've got a listing in there too. I've ordered docs, but they're not in. Do you mind if I have a look at your docs so that I can kind of get up to speed on what's what's going on in the building? And I think you'd be pretty cool if somebody approached you that way. Like, that's nothing that's, offensive that's the about way to that. Do it. But to, don't be a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes getting lied to. <laughs> Nobody likes getting lied to. And Jeff doesn't like getting lied to either, right? You want your you want to get this commitment for commission and writing, and it's just yeah, it's it's just this. When times are tough, the, it brings out the worst in people sometimes. Well, and it's just unnecessary stress, which maybe we should talk about the news. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Jeff, you want to talk about stress? So much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk about the stress test. Okay, you teased it in the intro, a little bit of an update on the stress test. We've talked about it before. The most frustrating part about the stress test, I don't mind it in concept. I think, I think the, yeah, it's a good idea. The, the, the idea of it is, I think, totally positive. Round one was good. Protect us from rising interest rates so that people don't get pushed out of their homes that they're buying for a lot of money. I think that makes sense because once we commit to a home, we would like to be able to stay there yeah agree <laughs> originally was because of pe- buyers that had less than 20 percent down and they were a little bit higher risk of potentially walking away or defaulting well, and interest and rates were very home. very low so yeah. it was a it was dangerous to presume that you'd be paying the same mortgage payment yeah. for the next 20 years yeah right so i get that um but we've commented on it before that it wasn't on any kind of scale that as interest rates changed if they were to go up three percent that the stress test would sort of reduce in relation to that for sure because otherwise it just creates a never-ending opportunity for banks to raise interest rates Mm -hmm. right they're like well i got you at eight percent right now and i know you qualified for 11 (laughs) (laughs) so let's just keep pushing them up right so this is the first time now since the stress test was introduced this is what was in the news recently and it's all over the different news outlets is that the uh, bank of canada or bach jeremy ray buck Mm. Bringing that back. Bringing it back yeah. uh, for Sam. Flashback jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've dropped the qualifying interest rate for the mortgage stress test. So this is the first time they've actually reduced that qualifying rate. So the, the rate went went down by how much does it say? It went from 5.34 to 5.19. So a quarter of a percentage point. Okay. Nice. Actually, that's not. That's 0.15. Sure. Math is hard. I just looked at the numbers and assumed it was going to be 0.25 because anything less than that would be ridiculous. Without having a calculator in front of me, um, that doesn't seem like a lot. No. At a roughly $500,000 mortgage, it it means you can borrow an extra $11,000. Yeah. Okay. We're at 20% down. That's the example that they gave quite often. They said, let's assume that you're approved for $500,000 roughly, 20% down. You're going to be able to pay about eleven, twelve thousand dollars more. Yeah. So it doesn't add a whole lot of buying power. No. I mean it's mm. nice. 
that they're doing it. <laughs> that was it, nice. It, it, that was uh, nice. That was it nice. doesn't. Good job. Is it more about the optics? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's it it's fishing for a headline, and rates are so good. Like even still, I, I had a client today that um, they went through HSBC, and they're getting. 2.69 yep yeah I'm, i was just reading another piece yeah. here that's saying that is a common number that's floating around there right now for five-year fixed and they're saying that right now we're in a strange spot that it's actually cheaper to get a five-year fixed than a variable the lowest variable right now by comparison at this other so 2.69 was the number that was quoted yeah. and the lowest variable rate was 2.84 Weird. Yeah. I've never seen the variable be worse than what's being on. Now, I don't know about all of them, but HSBC, that rate is specifically for first time buyers. Like they're doing a special where. Oh, so they're trying to help people. Yeah, they're having some sort of uh, first time buyer incentive program right now. And this 2.69 is just like, I'm reading an yeah. article, but it's just, yeah. it's basically saying it's a number that's out there nationally. Yeah. Cool. I'm sure some will follow suit too, right? Oh, for sure. It's all competitive. Yeah. And then they say that there's some risk in that and that historically variables should not be cheaper. No. And that it is a warning sign of recession. The last time it happened was in the 90s before a recession. Okay. So that was a bit of a a scary sort of correlation. Uh, But the Bank of Canada representative uh, said that that's a spurious correlation. He wouldn't look at it that way. Mm -hmm. It's just a combination of different market factors right now. And it is not signs of a recession. Right. Speaking of recessions, um, (laughs) my my news this morning said that because Google knows everything that we do... um, there was they were speculating that we're actually because there's been talk that that U.S. economy is not doing well that there's potentially a looming uh, recession. Anyways, issues with their economy, and Google's kind of seen that like well actually usually before that happens we see up an uptick in searches for like coupons and and deals and things oh, like that. Weird so the information that only Google knows. So. <laughs> so They've noticed that, yeah, they're not really seeing that. There Things are showing that people aren't scared. Hunters. People have money to spend, some discretionary income. They're not seeing those some of those those telltale warning signs of in, in people's searches that times are getting tough. They're just filtering out the realtor category searching for coupons. There you go. I want to know all the things that Google knows because of searches. Do you want to know? That's scary stuff, man. Yeah, like I think we've talked about it before, but like they know when you're pregnant before you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, you know who knows even more potentially though is your your internet service providers, because they don't care whether you're on Google or not. They, they don't do anything with it. Oh, they're not farming it. I don't know about that. You think sh- who who's your provider? Uh, well, there's only two. Um, I have Shaw. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've seen Shaw's um, television app. I feel like they're not on top of uh, <laughs> what they can be doing. With. Yeah, I'm not scared of what they're going to do with my data. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. They don't know enough. Google knows enough. Well, the, who could, Shaw, Shaw might know more, but Google can do more with what they have, and that's the difference. That's why Google's king. Well, Google's the whole world. Yeah, right. Like, and they've learned how to just package it all together. It's like, well, if you do this and you do this over here, and then you do this third thing, we right. pretty much know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm joking about realtors searching for coupons because you mentioned Jeff yesterday about some dire numbers. Oh yeah, this was huge. So former president of the real estate board, Phil Moore, and I, I can't fact check to him, but I feel like 
he knows what he's talking about, posted on Facebook that there are 10,000 agents in Greater Vancouver who haven't made a sale this year. Scary stuff. That's There were 17,000 agents total. So, like, is that 66% close to, like, two-thirds-ish of agents haven't made any money this year? That's uh, that's a scary statistic. I mean, it's probably good for us. It seems fine. It doesn't scare me. Like, personally, I'm like, hey, that's great. That means that there's potentially 10,000 people that are leaving. Sure. Yeah, because, I mean, if a lot of those agents um, go and work other jobs, eventually they're going to give up their, their uh, licenses. And I would imagine the majority, like, your average agent only sells a handful of listings every year. Like, it's, it's something like four or six listings per year is what, what the average listing When I think does. it's normal for probably 2,500 out of the 17,000 yeah. to do zero in a year. There's a big portion that sell none. Yeah. And, and that's A, because there are some that aren't good. B, there are some that just hold on to their license to help family and friends. And there's also a lot of people who have their real estate license who have no intention of selling real estate. Like a lot of builders have a real estate license not because they have any intention of selling, but they just want access to the information. They pay their dues and then they get MLS and they can see all of the information and exactly what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I know a guy who works yeah. sort of in the industry on a peripheral yeah. side and he's like, yeah, I've got my real estate license so I can represent myself. He was looking at one of my listings, right? right. Once, yeah, right? Totally. And I'm like, you can. It doesn't mean you should. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, he's one of these guys who has a license and, and doesn't. I don't understand business. why you wouldn't just establish a relationship with somebody who's going to be more than happy to let you have all that information. Well, they're trying to do it on the up and up, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like we're not supposed to just give out our our Paragon access. No, no, I don't mean that he's able to search whenever he wants. But I mean, you can set up searches for like a lot of these builders are building in you know one kind of area here and there, right? Yeah, they could be on top of it fairly yeah, easily. They've made their yeah. choice, but yeah, I mean it's. That's why I make jokes earlier in the show about, you know, you got these your realtors are in tough times and people, yeah. you know, bad behavior comes out, right? Like it's, yeah, it's a tough sure. time for a lot of agents right now. And, um, you know, it, it can create all sorts of behaviors that are not good for the consumer. Right. So be on the lookout, know who you're talking to. And I mean, that's part of what we're going to speak to probably in our main discussion today. Totally. Right. Is people who are tapped into the market. And don't just feed you generic information, but when they get that right and, you know, and they understand the context of the marketplace, it's way more beneficial. Let's do that. Let's do it. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money. Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So this topic really started with a conversation the three of us were having at lunch. And I had brought up a sale to Matt and Jer because without getting into what the listing is, there is a uh, townhouse on the market in New West that on paper doesn't look like it's priced too poorly. But then you look at the last sale in the building and there's one very comparable, if not maybe even a little better, that sold for seventy five grand under the current price. Yep. And we were discussing why that happened. And the and the three of us know that the original 
uh, seller. So the one that sold under was on the market for about a week at a much more expected price. And then a weekend reduced their price $75,000 and then sold right away. And what happened was they had an accepted offer subject to sale and they got bumped. So they only had two or three days to get their home sold. So they dropped it to an incredibly low price and then got it done because getting the home of their dreams was more important than the actual sale price. Took a bit of a haircut on their place, but potentially right, got but, a, a better deal maybe on the other one. Well, and got to buy the other one because yeah. they were they were going to lose the opportunity altogether. But it turned into a bit of a conversation about the things you know when you're working in a market constantly because the agent of that one that dropped their price called everybody and was like, I need to get this sold. These, these people want to make their dream happen. Mm. And we w- went from there. Now, if somebody was looking at those listings... If you're just looking at the numbers. Without the context... All of a sudden, you're like, well, the last one sold 75 grand under. This one's way overpriced. And there's all sorts of stuff that happens. So that's kind of the conversation we wanted to have today is what is really the knowledge that happens by being really plugged into a market? And, and what kind of pitfalls can happen when, when you've got somebody who doesn't necessarily know exactly what's going on in the, in the community that they're marketing? Do you want to go through some examples? Sure. You got one? Okay. Um, one of the condos we've sold recently, uh, on paper, it's going to look, well, it's already posted now, but it's, it's going to look like substantially below. So what, you, your sale was under where our, the our, other our listing. Stood. Yeah. And this particular situation, it just turned out that, um, the, the father was purchasing it. So a family member. Oh, so interesting. we were trying, we were, you know, we were trying to sell the property and we were just. Yeah, came time to, to to sell it, and we ended up getting um, selling it to a family member, and we didn't we didn't end up charging any commission on it. So, but it was already on MLS, mm-hmm. so it'll show. Other agents it's will see show this listing. As a greatly it's reduced. It's going to look like sale yeah. price, but yeah. essentially sale price minus commission. Right. Yeah. So, um, good example. Without making that phone call, without being, uh, if if you you know if you don't actually call and find out what's going on with that, if you were just looking at the yeah. numbers and seeing these sales, that's potentially a benchmark now for, for future sales. Um, but yeah, not exactly arms well, length. And the right. only the way that people learn this stuff is because now we've told Jeff. And now right. Jeff sits in the lounge at Remax All Points New West. And yeah. Jeff tells the other five people who are sitting there over the next few days and they hear about it. Yeah. Right. And then it kind of works its way around. And now there are 30 people in New West who happen to know that that greatly reduced sale right. price is out of context. Yeah. But realtors do gossip. Like the listener might be thinking, oh, well, how often does that happen? But this is literally like what we talk about all day, <laughs> day long. Like it's well, a we, big we part of our We often get job. up and we go, did you see that sale price at that place? Like yeah. what the heck happened there? What did Jared Matt do? <laughs> well, and, and when I see a weird sale in New West, I usually want to talk to the other agent, especially when it's another local agent who I have a relationship with where I'll pick up the phone and be like, hey, I'm looking at that one and that one doesn't make sense. And they're like, oh, actually, you know, they did a bunch of wiring and it was all done poorly and they have to rewire after inspection. We cut $30,000. You know, like there's there's stuff that comes out through these conversations that, I mean, that's what people are paying us for is to be a local expert. I mean, we've beaten this dead horse a hundred times, but like pictures, it's like a lot of these listings because we we're so heavily active in this market. I mean, we've seen some, like a lot of these places in person, even when we're doing evaluations Yes, and we'd be like, yeah, great pictures. That place was a dump. Like 
the the flooring was yeah like you mentioned installed wrong or actually water damage that just was not showing up in the pictures at all but yeah tens of thousands sure. of dollars worth of work potentially um pet damage smoke damage well, things that don't show stuff. up on pictures yeah and <laughs> so we did a sidebar for our listeners yeah. look for our video series because yeah. we actually put this on video and compared photos. It was like we did a podcast, <laughs> but recorded it. <laughs> and my big takeaway from that is that a property that could look really good in photos, a lot of them were made to look really bad in photos. Right. And people who don't know any better will assume that that, that property that looked terrible in photos was terrible. For sure. And again, taking the wrong context out of that and not understanding, like, no, that's the same floor plan as the other one mm-hmm. that sold for, you know, way more money. So you need to understand all of the nuances of this about valuation. We know just by looking yeah. at it, like you, you guys spent half the time in that video trying to pick out like what floor plan it was in what building. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, because we can't help ourselves. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to compare it to what I know in town and you can put all of that information together and make it so much more valuable. Well, and another thing too is when you're in an area, you get the feedback of discussing with other agents, but you also get the feedback of either seeing it yourself or um, getting feedback from your clients. Like there, there was a house in the West End. Um, actually, technically, it was uh, Uptown. Um, Brow of the Hill. Brow of the Hill. Um, <laughs> that came up, and the pictures made it look like it was super underpriced. Like I, I looked at it on paper and I'm like, this looks like an amazing deal. I sent multiple clients to go to the open house because they weren't doing any showings before the open house. And when they got there, it was very apparent that there were a few rooms omitted from the pictures <laughs> and for a reason. Like there were unfinished rooms and important rooms like the master bedroom, like stuff that mattered. And I think the agent actually had their price pretty bang on. Um, for what the house actually is for what the house actually is the the pictures just were uh maybe telling a little bit of a different story and or there was chapters missing yeah and, and <laughs> yeah yeah that's a that's a yes a hundred percent or the, the ending the missing chapter and and when you're going through these listings on a regular basis i mean jer organizes the real estate tour so every week he gets a bunch of agents from new west together and they all go and look at new listings like there's something about being current and really, because Matt, you hit the nail on the head. Real estate is about comparing. And if you've seen everything, you're going to have so much more knowledge. And you've heard the feedback from other buyers. You, yeah. know, you know what's going on. A fun one too, like we get um, listings, like we're talking about floor plans and things like that. I mean, because we've had listings in these buildings and we're working with a buyer per se, we can say, so just, I have to mention this because I know you're not thinking of reselling, but it is important. An important yes. element that we bring up is resale. So when we have these ones, they do can take a little bit longer because of whether, whether that's like train exposure or something or just right. um, particular weird things, or it's just a little bit too far away from a sky train that it's, it can take a bit of time in, in a harder market. Strata plants, I think is a, like we deal with the down on the key. We've got trains. Um, yeah. That can, that can be a big one. People can hide that. That uh, that issue, depending on how they take the angles of rooms and things like that, or blinds closed, um, and well, we get because we we get these people too, and we're selling our listings down there where you have people bringing up comparables, and it's hard for us because like that is not a comparable. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yo, no, it is. But no, you don't know the context of that sale. You don't know that uh, it's staring at a SkyTrain or or whatever. Yeah, because da- down at the key, especially, but all over the place. 
just because they're the same square footage in the same building doesn't mean they're necessarily but I did comparable. Th- but I did price per square foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on an evaluation right now, and based on the exposure of the listing, there's only four f- floor plans in a building full of floor plans. Like, it's a large building. There's probably 15 different floor plans, and, you know, you can't use most of them because that one side is exposed right to the, the busy street, whereas the other ones get nice and quiet. And, yeah, and you know that when you get an offer, you're going to get listing agents or buyer's agents bringing in stuff that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the price of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's confusing, it's frustrating, but we know we're doing our part correctly, right? But yeah. it's when you build that knowledge base. I think that, that house example you gave is really good just because, like you said, the master bedroom photo was omitted. Right. You know, it's such an important part of the story, but you know how to tell that story now going forward. You know, I remember seeing homes and it's like, well, it's only a two bathroom house, but only one bathroom is in the photos. Well, and, and, and let's just go back to that house for just one second, because something you said, I think is really important for the listeners to understand. Like, I, I think it's really important when you're hiring a listing agent. I, I always think of three things. You want to know how they're going to help you get the most value for your home, how they're going to do it the most efficiently, and just if you're a good fit. And the how you're going to get the most value for your home, like, the listeners might be thinking, okay, but who cares? Uh, you went through that house and you know to tell your buyers to skip it. Great. But the more important part of that story is when you have a comparable home, and an agent who hasn't been through that house looks at it and is like, oh man, house values in New West really dropped. Like that looks like it's a hundred grand underpriced. And then they tell you your home is worth less money than it is because they have no idea looking at that listing on paper that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's nothing on MLS or in the realtor remarks that say, hey, there's some major stuff that needs to be done. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely it. And I mean, really, when we look at it, you know, 12 houses for sale in a neighborhood and only two of them sell each month right now. Right. Why did those two sell? And it's not necessarily that obvious just from looking at it from the photos. That's where we can pull it all together and go, why did this house get eight offers and the other one got none? And it's still just sitting there because on paper, they're both 1800 square feet, three bedrooms, three bathrooms. So what's the difference? Totally. Of course, even the consumer knows there are big differences. (laughs) You don't think you're, you're missing that much, but, but we bring just the professional element of understanding precisely what that was. Yeah. And helping you understand. And it's hard when the market's like this, where it's like, hold on a second, all of these houses don't sell. And then now, Jeff, you're telling me that to get this house that I want, I've got to compete with five other families and throw all this extra money at it. That seems silly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And you're like, well, it is, but you know, that's the best one. Yeah. And we have the context to know that. And people are still competing for the best one. Yeah. Well, that's, everybody does still want a house. They'd rather get the best one, not the crappy one. And if you want a deal, go back to our episode where we talk about how to get a deal. <laughs> but a big part of that was not going after the best one. Yeah. If getting a deal is what's if getting a deal important. is what you want. You go find something that's got the compromises, and you make some compromises. And when the when the market really comes back, yeah. you're going to come out a winner, right? I love that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've probably got listeners listening right now who are clients now who have who have bought or sold who listened to that episode, and it really helped them. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that episode. Would you guys say that River Sky is one of the most complicated, context-dependent buildings right now? Well, yeah, you know 100%. Because I, <laughs> I told you, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm serving you up a yeah, softball. <laughs> softball but what you say? I was waiting for our time to transition. That's the first there. one I wrote down. Yeah, but I was doing an evaluation there. You were one of the first ones to sell in there. So the, you, the the first resale. So know. so you yeah. just had to do it whatever way made sense to you, right? Yeah. Now I'm going to do an evaluation for you know the second tower is opening up. So there's been a number of sales. There's a number of units for sale. Yeah. And I've got to figure out where this one lands inside the mix of that. The problem being that when it's brand new, you don't know if that sale price on MLS is inclusive of GST or not. Yeah. And that 5% swing one way or the other really skews the numbers. Sure. Starts at low, low $20,000 yeah. marking up. Yeah. So I had to phone every single agent and ask them. What was the circumstances of the GST on your sale? Right. And they were annoyed. Some of them were annoyed by the question. Like I was like some sort of like. What are you, a narc? Yeah. Do you work for CRA? <laughs> now, now let's just give the listeners a bit of, a bit of background here. You mean. I, yeah. I was avoiding saying, <laughs> saying context. Um, these are resale. Why are, why are they paying GST? Because the government's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're double dipping on the GST because you haven't moved into this property or haven't significantly lived in it, brought down, gotten rid of the new car smell. Um, I was hearing like six months or something they were kind of looking at. Like now it's been lived in, now it's not new. So essentially you, even though you paid the GST once, the government, federal government's looking at you as, well, you're still selling something new. You could sell this thing 10 times. Until someone's lived in it for that period of time, we're going to look at that as a new So yeah, so when the project completes and the purchaser buys it from the developer, they pay GST. There's no way around that. GST must be paid. Yeah. And then the next phase is the government is looking at it that way, not just that it's brand new, but the fact that they're selling it brand new suggests that it is a business transaction and you are a business and businesses charge GST. And are you looking at it on the GST on the full price or is it just on the lift between the original price and the... It's the full price. Full meal, full full meal meal deal. deal. Yep. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. it's a business transaction. And the only way to circumvent that, and it has to be uh, legitimate, mm-hmm. but it's to say that I bought it for personal use three years ago. Yeah. Circumstances changed. So this is not a business transaction. Right. I'm selling it because I am unable to occupy it. Right. But the but by default, the government looks at it and goes, no, you bought it with the intention of selling it when it completed, yeah. which makes this a, you, it makes you a business operator. This is important information for people to be thinking about, especially if they own in River Sky. <laughs> yeah. So people were getting around the tax for a long time. It, yeah. it has existed this way actually for quite a while, although it's sort of new information to me yeah. uh, because I haven't dealt with a lot of new construction in the West. Um, but people have been circumventing it and the government wasn't really pursuing it, but the government has far more resources now to do that and mechanisms. So people have to be more prudent and uh, they'll chase the buyer. If they can't get the seller, they'll go take the money from the buyer, which to me is incredibly unfair. Like the buyer was told, you know, Oh, well, no GST doesn't apply. It's been lived in. People are circumventing it. It's like, Oh no, somebody, somebody did tell me on one of the phone calls I made about river sky. I was like, Hey, was that, was your price inclusive of GST? He's like, no, no, the buyer didn't pay any GST on it. What you see is what they paid. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. So, um, was it, and I can't remember exactly how I framed the question, but he sort of answered with, well, it was lived in. (laughs) <laughs> but you know for what and like i'm like day? what yeah and he's like oh no they had some friends in from out of town and they slept on the floor for a couple nights 
Yeah, I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts. No, but that's I'm not their, an expert in that. But that doesn't sound not wrong. an expert in tax law. But yeah. some tax lawyer told them that that was going to fly, and that's going to be mm. the the hill they die on, I suppose. Mm. Uh, but when you're when you're buying these things pre-sale, if your plan is to turn around and sell it as soon as you complete. Uh, you got to understand that you're likely going to be considered responsible for that extra 5%. Right. But either way, I had to go make all those phone calls. And I got all these sales at around 550,000, and some are actually 580, and some are actually 520. Something's a good, <laughs> definitely a good thing to consider. Yeah. Another weird thing in the building is they turn them 180. So even though the floor plans are all kind of fairly similar between the two buildings, um, they don't count around the same way. So what could be a really good unit number? So if you were just looking... Mm-hmm. Um, we always like saying, oh, I love the O1s in that building. You can't do it because they're not facing oh, the same way. You mean in the two sister buildings? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, like in building one, the O1 is a different layout than in building two. That's right. But they do have all the same layouts. They're just, they're just numbered, numbered differently. differently. <laughs> Thanks, Boza. And, and they're turned <laughs> so that they don't all have the same exposure. So we are going to have to really... There's a lot to learn to become yeah. an expert in those towers. Jared just did a transaction in there, so he's sort of like we got one pending, the guy another, right now. another listing, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you can't. Some of them you can sort of say I don't like that one because it it's they're kind of all facing the same mm-hmm. way. But uh, it, it's a bit of a weird one right now. There's I'll, that building too. There's only four two bedroom units per floor, and then everything else is there's like another ten or no twelve. Oh, yeah. well, there's eight, eight units. Eight, so twelve units total on each story. Eight one bedroom. So you, if you look on MLS right now, you're going to see like thirteen listings. Mm-hmm. Um, a good chunk of those, probably about ten of them, are are inside sort of units or or facing like the trains and things like that. So, um, but you know, as a buyer, you're looking and you're saying, "Holy crap, that's like a ton of inventory," um, but they're not all created equal. Well, and, and the parking's different, right? Some of them don't have parking. Is that I feel like not every unit got parking. Is Most that correct? Most ones I've been looking at have them. I believe um, it's true that some of them had the option what? to not get parking. Yeah. That was sort of one of these things. City of New West was like, yeah, it's fine. You're right by a SkyTrain. You don't need a car. You don't have to give I, everybody I think City of New West was even more than that. I think they encouraged the developers not to have as many parking spots because uh, they're really pushing the transit city. Yeah. Matt's making a face. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan of our municipal government right now. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for River Sky. Yeah. yeah. So River Sky, River Sky, I think, is really good for helping with context. And I actually have a few follow-ups on sort of the, the, the conversations around that. Okay. So it actually brings up a question I have. All right. A surprise question of the week. Check out the big brain on bread. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. We're talking about River Sky, and it reminded me of a question that I think is helpful to a lot of our listeners who maybe don't know really what happens in buildings like this, because it's new to me in New West. Just before we get into this, just on behalf of Jer and I, I want to say to our listeners that we discussed our show layout today. And we all decided that there wasn't going to be a question of the week. And now Matt's throwing this on us. But so. I, just, I just thought of a question so, at uh, that time. So I wanted to play the bumper. I, I know. I'm Okay, I'm ready. And we, <laughs> and, we, and we kind of phoned in last episode, no notes. Are, are you... Don't stop saying that. The only feedback we got from the episode was good show. Stop saying you had yeah. no notes. <laughs> They'll never know. Well, now you've said it three times more. We had notes today. Yeah. My, All right, I'm ready. Okay, I, you can answer this question. 
I but hope so. It, it's very helpful for listeners and people like me who live in a little more blue collar New West. What's a concierge? Oh, that's a fancy Vancouver speak. Condo butlers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy that accepts your Amazon package. Yeah, it's when you have somebody down at the front desk who's essentially there all day and Jer, Jer got it right. Uh, they're there to pick up packages. So if you get Amazon deliveries, it's amazing. If you can't have them sent to your work, yeah, that's you the can, next best thing. You can also coordinate, like if you're having people come into your home for them to let them in. A lot of times downtown uh, in Vancouver, they don't have, uh, they don't use lock boxes, but if the building has a concierge, they'll give the concierge a key and say, oh, Matt Rabbins is coming to show the home today. When he comes, would you please let him in and, and whatnot? It, it's a nice service. You're bringing this up because is it is it River Sky? Yeah, that's got it, it's going to have concierge service. Now we'll see though what happens. Yeah, it's one of those things that was sold to all the buyers. You know, when you're going into the yeah. sales center, they're like, oh, and the building comes with a concierge. Yeah, that you're paying for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So at the first AGM, they'll probably look at the budget and they'll decide, and we'll find out if if Little New West is ready for swanky concierge service or if they vote to to get rid of it. I think it's cool. I, I My parents-in-law have it at their place in Yaletown, and they love it. They use so, it all the so time. So what if, like I was working out the numbers roughly, because there are a lot of units in River Sky. Yeah. So you can spread that cost around to a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of them will be landlords. But even as yeah. a landlord, that is a big perk to offer to your tenant. And as a homeowner, let's say it costs you, well, most of them are one bedrooms, $12 a month. Yeah. Is that worth it to you? I'm fine with that. It would be to me. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with it. The other thing, too, um, that we didn't talk about is it adds a little building security. Like, the concierge generally gets to know everybody who's coming in and out. And if you've got sort of shady people trying to get in, it's nice yeah. to have somebody at the front desk. Your first line of I mean, they're not security, but it is a deterrent if they're like, oh, there's a guy sitting right there. <laughs> like, guy or gal or whatever, right? But it's, yeah, I, I think it's a nice service. I, I hope that it sticks around. I think it's kind of cool. I think at twelve to fifteen dollars a month, it's totally worth it. I think yeah, two towers, two stratas, and one's bigger than the other. Though I don't know how many is it. One hundred fifty in the smaller one. You just did that math based on two of them. I I think I did it on roughly two hundred and fifty units. Okay. Yeah. What, what, so you you had the budget? No, I just sort of did an approximation based on yeah. what a concierge would probably earn. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah, I think, and it do, they do, I find buildings that have concierge, it does create a bit of a community feel for whatever that's worth. Like when you walk into your building and somebody's like, oh, hey, Matt, welcome back. You know, oh, it's just a nice feeling. I, I think at 12 bucks a month for me, it would totally be, be worthwhile. It definitely helps with all these move-ins. Well, definitely. I think, you know, there's a lot of benefit there to the tenants. Mm. I hope the landlord's can see that, maybe sell that, right. and we'll, keep that going. I mean, we'll, see, we'll see how that building averages out over the next year to see. I mean, it's a little bit early now to say, like, oh, there's going to be a ton of rentals. A lot of times with these pre-sales, we see they could be upwards of 50% rentals. Um, a lot of times that's just because it wasn't a good time to sell it um, for resale. So that's kind of the next best, best thing, or you're dealing with GST, like we mentioned. But I could see them maybe cutting the concierge down. You might see the first wave is if they actually just sort of say maybe not on the weekends. Um, I- I want to just pull both of you guys for a second because, Jer, um, you said you have a deal pending in River Sky, and you guys said you have a, a listing coming up. Is that is that correct? A maybe listing. A maybe listing. Okay. So I've had 
one sale in there and I've talked to people um, who are owners in there about selling, but it didn't, uh, it didn't work out. None of the people I talked to were New West people. What, what's your feeling? Like that's the temperature I have. All of them were in, Investment. Yeah, now, yeah. the person who bought my listing is somebody who lives in New West and wants to be there, and they're not going to be renting it out as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, the potential listing uh, is out of town. Yeah. The owner is out of town. Yeah. yeah. And we, the buyer is intending to occupy it. Yeah. Become we, a part of our community. Of, which probably yeah. makes sense for pre-sale versus round one of, of resale. Like, the pre-sales are often speculators buying. There's a group of people sales. that have bought in that there's a way to make money off of these pre-sales right. and they're, yeah. they're fully, yeah, they're fully in. Yeah. It. Now our lead may not end up selling because once I educated them on the GST mm-hmm. bit, they're like, oh, oh, okay. How do these numbers start adding up? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I said, well, it's your call then. I mean, you put a tenant in, you take some risk, Yeah. you know, putting some wear and tear on the unit, you know, so they're, they're weighing their options right now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. See how that plays out. So I'm I'm excited about the concierge bit in New West. I hope it works out. I, I find it pretty uh, sort of disappointing when you walk into a building and you can tell the lobby was built to accommodate a concierge. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now, now it's a security guard desk. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope it works out. Um, would you be comfortable leaving keys with a concierge? Generally speaking, yes. But I'd probably do a little bit of sleuthing first. Just check out the vibe of the building. Probably all I'd have to do really is ask the homeowner. I, you, know. <laughs> you know what? I think that's exactly the right way. Are you comfortable with me leaving keys with the concierge? Because they see that concierge every day. Yeah. They're going to... They'd be like, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he loses stuff a lot. He's <laughs> a nice guy, but... <laughs> I feel like my Amazon packages have been opened and then retaped <laughs> before. <laughs> Jeez. All right, well... I think that's probably going to do it for our show today. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to get a hold of Matt or Jer, you can reach them at thenewwestguys.com. And if you want to reach me, Jeff McLennan, I'm at realestatenewwest.com. Guys. I didn't say it this time. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy Ray. Um, yeah, thank you guys very much. I was telling you yesterday about how my kids are making friends out of the cabin over the summer. Yeah. And Jeff brought up the term disposable summer friends. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that, Jeff? Did you have a lot of these friends? Yeah. Well, I think anybody who travels in the summer, you, you like if you're gone for a long period of time, like I used to go to my grandparents in Ottawa house for like a month in the summer. Oh, okay. And you make like really good friends. You had Ottawa friends. But you have no, like, and you kind of lie about it. You're like, you know, we'll keep in touch or whatever. But you never do, right? Until next year when you see them again, and then it's awesome, and you've got these cool friends. But, yeah, you just, you make friends. (laughs) And then... (laughs) It's an interesting choice of words, Jeff. You're you're my Ottawa friend. Disposable summer friends. I'd like to find your Ottawa friends and tell them you thought they were disposable. (laughs) Well, I, n- I never did. I always had intentions 
of, of staying. But when you look back in hindsight, you're like, oh, okay, there was never going to be a time no, the only way when you, keep... you stayed friends. And we didn't have email and No, yeah, stuff. you'd have to pen pal them, like actually write a letter. I bet you, though, if it was today, it would be a little bit different because I, I was a huge gamer as a kid. Like what I did with my disposable Ottawa friends is mostly we watched movies, we went to the park, and we played video games. And today, you'd be able to keep playing video games with those people because it's all online now. Like you probably yeah. would stay in touch better, um, you know, if <laughs> – we'd spend hours or we'd go to the arcade and play street fighter. So if I could play street fighter online with those guys, I think, I think 12 year old Jeff would have probably been a better, better friend and, uh, not been so <laughs> like you're out. <laughs> maybe you can follow up with the listeners next week. Yeah. Maybe just reach out. I'm sure they're on Facebook. You track you, them, track them down. I'm going to be horrible here. I don't remember any of their names. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I went probably from the time I was, Maybe eight to, I think I stopped when I was a teenager. So probably from eight to 12-ish, I'd go every year. And there were just, you know, the kids in the neighborhood that, you know, I, I didn't even have numbers. I'd just go and knock on their doors and be like, what are you doing? I'm back. <laughs> did you did you guys not have summer friends that were only, like, was... I never spent that much time, like, consecutively away from home. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. We, we my my summers summer consisted of like watching the prices, right? Right. And then finding a way to throw water balloons at my siblings without them noticing and running off. Yeah. Um, it was all at home. I mean, right. I went to like sleepover camp like for one week once. Yeah. And I remember that experience. Like I can picture some of the faces of people. Sleepover camp just means a camp that you're not coming home at. at the yeah. End. Like a full yeah, okay. like seven days, like gone sleeping in a bunkhouse, like right. summer camp. Yeah. Summer camp. And, um, that was cool. I can I can picture some of the faces of the people who I was like who were in my bunkhouse. Yeah, I don't remember their names or much about them, but it was right. you, you build some pretty strong bonds in that one week. Yeah, but aside from that, no, I was mostly with my friends at home, you know, roaming the neighborhood all summer. Well, and and it wasn't just going away. Like I used to go to. I'm going to expose what kind of nerd <laughs> I was in uh, high school. In high school, I do uh, Shakespeare camp. I, I would for usually they were two to three weeks long and you'd learn a play and you'd do the play, but it was all kids from Vancouver, but nobody else from new West was going. It was Vancouver all over the lower mainland, but everybody was from different places. And we always had full intention to stay friends, <laughs> but it's hard when you're, you don't have a car and you don't, you know, like, yeah, well, without, without the social media aspect of it, it was, it was harder to stay in touch. Right. I yeah, think, but you sure. being in new West, you were able to do more of those things that sort of took you outside of the new West zone to meet more people. Yeah. I grew up in a suburb that like I wasn't commuting right. 45 minutes to go to the day, the day camp for that summer like, you know, a Shakespeare camp or whatever. It was all at home. Yeah, and I, I think the, the interests also change it, right? Like, if I was a sports kid, I probably would have been playing sports with other kids in New West, unless I was, like, super high level and you get, like, those kids who get shipped off to, like, hockey school or whatever. Yeah, then you end up staying with those guys, though, because you yeah. played on a team together for right. a long time. Yeah, but, you know, being a Shakespeare nerd... <laughs> You got to you got to pull from a pretty large geographical area to find other other kids who are like I really want to talk about what Prospero said in in the Tempest. <laughs> like, <laughs> and a few years goes by and and you're, you know, a little more mature and you probably all want to forget about the fact that you went to the camp. I, I never want to forget about that. Those were the, those were awesome. 
down oh. at Vanier Park, Those sitting on the beach. The days. Yeah, like I. Uh, so maybe you can put your kids in Shakespeare camp. I would a hundred if they were interested. I would a hundred. I got a twenty thousand dollars scholarship co- because of my Shakespeare camp. Does this still happen? Oh yeah, totally. It's it, the one I went to was run by uh, Bard on the Beach, and All it was right. really cool because the actors from the play would teach you what they were like. They'd teach you a play and how to read Shakespeare, huh. and it was well. That sounds fun. It was super fun. It's super nerdy, but like <laughs> my kind of nerdy fun. Like I loved it. Yeah. And I did recruit someone from New West to do it with me in the later years. Poor We're Mike, still good friends. Poor Michael. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never Michael. <laughs> um, 